Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jill Lewald, and I'm the executive pastor of family ministry here at the church. And we're so glad that you're spending your time with us here at our Manhattan Beach campus. Uh, also, we're connected now over with our Torrance campus. Also, hello to everyone online. We're so glad that you're here, and I really love that we can be spread out all over, but still having the same experience this morning. Uh, we're in a sermon series called Friendship Essentials. And now we're doing this one because we've learned that friendship and loneliness is actually a huge problem for many Americans. Um, A lot of Americans report that they have few to no friendships, and the friendships that they do have, they're not finding um, satisfying. And so how do we help people have good friendships? So we're spending some time looking at the life of Jesus and how he interacted with his friends, as well as learning from the book of Proverbs. Jesus and his friends would have been familiar uh, with this Old Testament book of the Bible called Proverbs. So there's great stuff in there that we can learn to help all of us improve our relationships. Uh, So far, we've covered intentionality and mutual growth. So if you've missed any of those, please check them out on our website or our YouTube page. As we were preparing for this sermon series, I came across a report from Fuller Youth Institute. Now, in this report, they asked a lot of young adults, what is one thing that someone could have done for your parent to help them be a better parent? And here were some of the answers that they got from that report. Help them deal with their stuff. Help them talk to me about hard things. Help them notice me. Help them show up for me. Now, can you guess? But the number one thing that would have been most helpful to these parents is give them a friend. A friend, right? That would be the most significant thing in improving who these parents were. Now, the detailed report said things like they needed someone to walk through hard things with them. Also, they needed someone to go do stuff with They needed someone to say, you're doing a good job. The feelings that you have about parenting, they're all normal. So these young adults, and most of us, we can understand the importance of significant relationships. And yet, we still have a hard time making them. And so that's why, that's why we're here doing this series. So today, I get to share with you um, our next essential, which is actually my biggest growth area in relationships. So that's quite fun. But let's look at it. Here we go. It's emotional connection. Now, this is why this one's hard for me. I came into adulthood believing that big emotions are best dealt with in private. I also believed that it was better to appear to have it all together than to risk people knowing that I didn't have it all together. And I think feelings are messy. They're complicated, and they take time, and there's a lot of other stuff I would rather be doing. Uh, so the, all of these three things came to head uh, ahead when I was on the phone with my now husband back in the earliest days of our dating relationship. Now, up until this point, everything had been fun and light, and we were hitting it off, and we had so many shared interests, and now I was having a bad week. Uh, things were very tense at my job, and I was getting my master's degree at the time, so I was overextended, and I was really fighting feelings of just inadequacy in every area of my life. So um, my husband noticed on the phone that I was quite distracted, and he asked me the most dangerous question in a vulnerable moment. Are you okay? And I sat there on the phone fighting with myself about what to say. Do I say, I'm just tired, I'll feel better in the morning, or no, no, nothing's wrong. 
I started to cry, and I said, do you know that I'm not perfect? And he said, yeah. And I thought, do you want to think about that? But instead, I chose to share the hard things. I talked about what was going on. I shared the deeper part of my feelings. And we really turned a corner in our relationship, in our emotional connection. Now, I don't know about you, but I have that exact moment in just about every relationship of my life. It's the crossroads between keeping it light and keeping it fun or keeping it real. But if we only keep our relationships at the superficial level, we're really going to miss deep and meaningful connection that God created us to have. So here's our main idea for today. God invites us to experience the power of shared emotion in friendships. We were made to want to connect with other people. Uh, But oftentimes we get in our own way, especially when it comes to the space of emotional connection. Now, there's two things, that's the good news, just two things that you can do that will vastly improve your ability to connect emotionally with others. And here's here's what they are. Self-regulation and emotional intelligence. Now, self-regulation is the ability to access and regulate your emotional well-being in relationship with others. And emotional intelligence is the ability to be aware of what's going on inside of you as you interact with others and have an awareness of what they're going, what's going on in them. Now, actually, I lied because this is not good news. Some of you know that this is bad news because these are extremely hard things to do. They take a lot of work to get better in these areas, and unfortunately, most of us are not willing to do the work to get better here. And it's because emotions are, are hard. They're complicated. They're connected to the deepest, most intimate parts of us. Not only that, some of us were not allowed to have emotions growing up. Some of us saw emotions used in a really dangerous way when we were growing up. We don't know how to talk about them. Processing them is a hot mess. And we all come at them differently. So if you're feeling any of that about emotions today, I think you'll be encouraged by the story about Jesus uh, and his interactions with his friends, where he not only models strong emotion, but also how to connect through emotion into the emotion of others. So we get to look in the book of John, um, chapter 11. Now, I won't read the whole chapter today, but I want to encourage you to go read this whole section of the Bible because it's a very interesting story. Uh, At this part of the story, Jesus has been doing public ministry for about three years. He's been traveling around doing amazing things. So he's with his disciples, and he gets this note from his friends Mary and Martha about their brother Lazarus. Lord, your dear friend Lazarus is very sick. Now Mary and Martha are friends of Jesus. So they're writing because they believe he can heal their brother, but also they expect it. Jesus has been healing many people that he didn't even know. But now his friend was sick. So they're writing to ask him for something. So what Jesus does next is quite interesting. It says, although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, when you read this section of the Bible, it becomes clear that Jesus has a plan the whole time. 
Jesus actually already knows that Lazarus has died, and he tells his disciples his plans to bring him back to life again. So when they get there, Lazarus has been dead for four days, is already buried in a nearby cave, and lots of people from the area have come to mourn with Mary and Martha. So as Jesus approaches, Martha comes out to meet Jesus, where she greets him with this. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. So you, you see her sadness and her sorrow here, but also you see she's disappointed in Jesus. So they have a conversation, and then Martha goes to get Mary. Mary comes out, and Mary says the exact same words to Jesus. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, can you imagine what Jesus was feeling when they brought all their grief onto him in this moment? I would have felt guilt and embarrassment, right? Jesus could have dismissed their feelings and been like, no, 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 this is fine. I'm going to raise Lazarus. He could have justified why he took so long, but he doesn't do any of that. So it's really important that we stop here and try to understand what is Jesus showing us through this moment. And he's showing us the power of real connection through these hard emotions. Jesus is compassionate with them, and he lets them process some of their feelings. But he takes it a step further than that. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw that the other people were wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. So now we see that Jesus is bringing his feelings to the experience. What was going on inside of him was evident to the people around him. Some people believe that he was angry at death itself and that death had to be part of life. Uh, Some people think he was just frustrated, so frustrated that his closest friends still weren't getting what he had come there to do. So we see that Jesus is having all these feelings, not feelings that many of us are proud of having, but he takes all of it. And what does he do? It says this, then Jesus wept. He processed all of that anger and it moves him to a place of tears and connection with his friends. He is showing that that strong connection in relationship with his friends is tremendously powerful and that he is with them in knowing it shouldn't be this way. So Jesus is compassionate in this moment and Jesus is compassionate with us when we bring him our deepest, ugliest feelings. So here's something that you can do to get better at at your emotional connection with others, and that's exploring the range of your emotions with Jesus. Now, some of you have no problem accessing all of the emotions that God gave you, but they might be a little unpredictable, right? And so you want to better understand those. Or if you're like me, you need to feel your feelings, Right? And you need to explore that range of emotion that God gave us. Now, wherever you are in this process, you can move towards better emotional self-regulation. Uh, this process started for me a couple of years ago when we as a staff went through a personality test called the Enneagram. We wanted to better understand each other, how to relate to one another. Uh, and here are what the results said about me and my personality type. 
they have more difficulty recognizing and connecting to their feelings than any other type. Not only do they not pick up on their own feelings, they won't pick up on yours very well either. That's terrible! <laughs> I don't want to be friends with someone like this. So I had work to do in this area in understanding my emotions and how they affect my behavior. And here's a couple of things that I found pretty helpful. Uh, first is that emotions come from a part of your brain that you are not in conscious control of. Because believe me, I have tried, and you cannot always control them. You can't control them, right? Something happens, happy or sad, and bam, your brain just floods you with an emotion. Now, the thing after an emotion, that's the part that you can and should learn to control, right? That's self-regulation, where something happens to you and it moves you into your next best action. And we get this idea from this Proverbs here, 13, 16. It says, wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. Here it's saying that wisdom looks like thinking before you go out and do something, right? Because as we're processing our feelings and learning how that affects our regulation, our self-regulation, we can be over-focused on our behavior, right? But if you only focus on the behavior you're trying to correct, you might actually miss what's actually going on inside of you. So have you ever been so mad that you just spewed hateful words on whoever it was that just hurt you? Or have you been in a situation where you've begun to feel something and so you press the eject button on that conversation and you just check out emotionally or sometimes even physically? Or maybe you, uh, you chase emotional high after emotional high after emotional high because you're actually afraid of acknowledging maybe that emptiness that you feel inside. Right? We have to begin to understand the feeling before the behavior so we can understand what is the actual need. So I'm going to introduce you to a tool that can help you as you connect with the emotional range with Jesus. And it is called the feelings wheel. Now, there are a lot of words on this, and the text is actually quite small. So we're not going to go through the whole wheel today. Uh, but here's what I want you to see. At the center of the wheel right here, these are six of our most basic emotions. Mad, disgusted, sad, happy, surprised, and scared. Now, experts say that by the time a child goes to kindergarten, they should be able to identify these basic feelings. But you can't stop there. Because experts also say that as mature, healthy, healthily mature adults, we should be able to access and identify 30 to 40 emotions in ourselves as well as the people around us. So you can see that it's actually quite complex. And the way that you use it is you start in the center and you move out two layers to begin to really understand the feeling that's going on. So for the sake of demonstration, we're actually going to use this story in the Bible that we've just taken a pause from. Where we left it, we find that Jesus is weeping with his friends. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to start in this section, sad. Jesus is sad. But as we begin to move our way out, we can, we can narrow this down. So this first one is lonely. And in our story, Jesus is not lonely, so we can move beyond that to tired. Well, I could see where it might be this one. Jesus has been very busy for the last three years. He's probably tired. But if you look beyond that, we don't see him being numb or that he doesn't care in this story. So that one's probably not it. 
Next, we have guilty, right? But guilty moves on to ashamed or remorseful. And why Jesus maybe felt like a general remorse for the situation that was at hand, he hadn't done anything wrong, so it's not guilt. So let's jump up to the top. We see hurt, which moves on to forgotten or disappointed. And I don't think those are the, the feelings that he has. He wasn't depressed, right? So that leaves us here, in my feelings, Okay, another way to say in my feelings is like succumbed to despair. Now, in this situation, in this feeling, you either have powerless, which we know that's not Jesus, or this last one, grief. Jesus was in deep grief over the loss of his friend, with his friends. Now, when you're in this feeling of grief, Oftentimes, that is such a strong feeling that you actually need a physical, emotional, exhausting, a big, ugly cry or something like it because you have to draw those feelings out of you before you're able to process through them. And that's why I think that Jesus wept. It was exhausting all of the feelings that he had going on inside of him. Now, you can see Feelings are quite complex. This is just one part of the wheel. There's a lot of feelings, and that's why it takes a lot of work to understand them. But once you understand them, you'll see that you need something different based on whether or not you're feeling left out or numb or powerless or forgotten, right? So the the more work that we can do to get to the real feeling, we can begin to understand what we need next, and that helps us with that process of self-regulation. So here's what I want you to do this week. Process your healthy and unhealthy emotions in prayer. Now, I have to say something at this service that I didn't say at the last one. Because um, a psychologist that I really respect came up to me after this slide in the last service, and she said, Calling them unhealthy emotions is actually the wrong way to describe them. We should say pleasant and unpleasant because there are no unhealthy emotions. There's unhealthy behaviors. So we have unpleasant emotions, and those are the things we need to process. So even that idea of there being no unhealthy emotions might be something that you should process in prayer this week, right? So I'm going to give you an access, a QR code so that you can access the feelings wheel right here. Um, to access it, you just scan this code right now with your phone, and it'll take you to a link to our website where this feelings wheel is available. You can also find it on our website this week. But please, take that feelings wheel and sit down and have a conversation with God about something that you're experiencing right now, a feeling that you need to feel more, a feeling that you need to feel less, What are the next steps that you need to take in moving through those feelings so that you're better able to self-regulate? Also, once you have a better grasp of your own feelings, it gives you the ability to better connect with other people and their feelings. That's where we move to this idea of emotional intelligence. Now, if the goal here is better connection and relationships, and the first step is processing your own feelings with Jesus, here's the second step. Resist the inclination to run from rich emotions, right? If we go back to our story with Jesus, we see that Jesus did the right thing here. He encountered big feelings from his friends, and he could have said, eh, I'll come back when you've settled down. 
Or he could have said, don't feel this way. No, no, no. These feelings are wrong. I'm Jesus. I'm about to go heal Lazarus. You shouldn't feel this way. Or he could have been like, no, sad. Uh-uh, no, no. Let's not be sad right now. Let's be happy because I'm going to do a miracle. Right? Those are some of the things that we do when we're pulling away from emotion. But Jesus showed us that he jumped right into the emotion with his friends and, and met them in their tears. And it reminded me of this Proverbs 2520 that says, singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in the cold, uh, in the cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound, right? This one probably came from a personal experience. They encountered someone that had an emotion that made them feel uncomfortable. And instead of having emotional awareness, they tried to cheer the person up. Now we've all done this, but this proverb is saying that's actually worse for the person going through a strong emotion. What God wants from us is actually to have better emotional intelligence. Now, there's a few ways that you can grow in this area. The first one is um, mirroring. Now, mirroring is something that happens in relationships all the time, even if you're not aware of it. Uh, If you'll notice, though, you might have a friend that's telling you a really exciting story, and as they're getting to the good parts of the story, they're leaning in to tell you, and you'll catch yourself leaning in to hear it because you love what they're about to say. Or if you're in a meeting and you guys are discussing, like, problem solving, and it's kind of tense, and the person that's talking kind of starts doing this, you might do this too, and then be like, why am I touching my face? But it's because you're with that person, right? You're paying attention to what they're saying. So while this can be subconscious, I think you can use mirroring really intentionally to demonstrate you're with someone in their feelings. And here's what I mean by that. I have a kid who is an emotional sprawler. It doesn't matter the surface, whether it's the couch or the middle of the kitchen floor. It doesn't matter the place, whether it's at home or the checkout aisle at Target. When her emotions boil up, she's full sprawl. Now, I've learned as a parent that when when they do this, I have a choice. I can pick them up move on. I can beg them to get up, or I can flat out ignore them. But I'm learning that the best thing I can do is mirror her behavior. So I full sprawl too. Because when I'm with her, with my body and with my words, I can say, this is really hard. It's okay that you feel this way. I'm here with you in this feeling, and I'm with you till you get through it. And usually, they get through it faster. When they get up off the ground, we are feeling more connected through that hard moment. So if you're with a friend who's going through something vulnerable and you don't know what to do, try to mirror them like Jesus showed us we can do with people in the middle of emotion. Now, here's the second thing you can do to get better at this. Have more curiosity. We should be curious about our friends, who they are, what they're going through, and why they're feeling and doing the things they're doing. Now, this one comes from this idea in Proverbs 18.13. It says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Now, the reason this one can be applied to our relationships is our brains are prone to think that everybody thinks like I do, right? I know how everyone else should handle what they're going through because it's the way that I would handle what they're going through. But that's not what this proverb says to do. This proverb says, figure out what's going on. 
Be a better question asker. Um, Try to understand from their perspective what they're going through, how they're processing, what they need. Because if you can do a better job of being curious, you might discover what your friend actually needs in that moment. Whether it be listening or encouraging or advice, you'll get to that through curiosity. Now, before our next action step, I do want to close out our story about Lazarus. So at this time in the story, the people have moved to the cave where Lazarus has been buried. And Jesus says, roll the stone away. Right? He's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And this is Martha's response. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responds, are you kidding me, Martha? No, he doesn't. That's not in the Bible. That's probably what I would have said. Um, But Jesus doesn't say these words exactly, but he kind of says something like this, right? And you're going to have to go to the Bible yourself to read Jesus' exact words this week. But what I wanted to point out is that when we get to this point in the story, the feelings haven't just gone away. Jesus is still frustrated. He's still angry and full of tense emotion as he raises Lazarus from the dead. And I think it's really important that even though this is one of the most amazing miracles that Jesus ever did, the Bible writer chose to keep the parts about feelings in there. And I think that's because he felt that shared emotion and the power in that shared emotion with Jesus. I think it shows us that feelings, even bad ones, are part of us, and feelings should be part of our friendships. So here's what I'm asking you to do this week. Invite emotional vulnerability into one new friendship. Now, this doesn't look like calling someone up and telling them everything you've ever done or felt, right? This is baby steps. So you can invite a friend to coffee or an activity and just give them a heads up. Say, hey, listen, there's something that I was hoping to chat with you about my life. You know, would this be an okay time for us to talk about it? Or if there's someone that you know that you respect, that you want to get to know a little bit better, ask them for some advice on something small because it can help move you past that superficial level. Uh, or you could take the step of growing in your curiosity. Uh, move relationships into a space of saying, like, man, that seems stressful. How did you feel while that was going on? Or what do you have coming up this year? What are you excited about? These are the little opportunities that will help us find space for vulnerability in our relationships. Because we need it. We need the power of shared connection. And God invites us to experience this power. This is how. Explore the range of your emotions with Jesus and resist the inclination to run from rich emotions. Now, before we close out, I want to tell you a story about some of my friendships. This happened a couple of years ago, and we decided that we were no longer going to avoid the hard stuff in our lives. Uh, We were at our life group, and um, we learned about a marriage of someone outside our life group, and that marriage was just over. And as we processed that together, we decided we cannot let one another do this to each other. We were no longer going to ignore the hard stuff until it became unbearable or until the only option was to completely escape. We decided that we would call out the things that we see in each other where it needed to happen. 
And even though it can be uncomfortable, and even though sometimes it leads to tense interactions, we've decided that we have to care for one another like it matters. And I have to tell you, these are some of the most meaningful and significant relationships that I've ever had in my entire life. So do the work. Do the work because the payoff is the greatest thing that we can know outside of a relationship with Jesus. So I want to pray to close us. If you would go ahead and stand with me. Uh, We do have people available over here by the cross. If you have something that you need to talk with someone about, we've got amazing volunteers who can talk about that with you and even pray with you. Or pray with you. Um, Let's pray now. Dear God, thank you for making us complex. And thank you for giving us feelings. I really think that they help us connect with you, be drawn to you, understand who you are. And God, I pray that as we are uh, courageous in trying to understand our emotions um, and moving into more vulnerable spaces with our friends, we know that you'll meet us there. And God, I pray that when you do, we'll be overwhelmed by your compassion. We'll be so overwhelmed that we're not afraid to continue to do the work to understand what's going on in us and how can we use that to connect and support and to love and to invest in those around us. Thank you for being our friend. In your name I pray, amen. Have a good day. Enjoy the snacks. I heard that that's what you're most excited about today at the game. We hope to see you next week.